Are you excited about Global Focus? We need to be. Do you see the, the banners are up behind us? You've got uh, our theme verse this year from Luke chapter 14, go into the highways and hedges and make them come in so that my house will be filled. Uh, today really does start something kind of monumental in our church because over the next three weeks, what's happening is that we're preaching messages that actually surround the ultimate mission that we have as a church. And that's really to see lives changed and transformed by the gospel. I mean, I want you to think about that because over the next three weeks, that's going to be our focus. And I remind you that tonight we're asking you to come back at 4 p.m. John Russell is going to be our guest and he's going to lead us for two hours to talk about what it means to be a global focused church. Now, that's important that you understand that because we didn't come up with that term. Global focus is a ministry that came alongside of us and gave that to us. Now, normally this training for a church that's new into it is a Friday night and a half day Saturday. So we're condensing a lot into this two hours as a refresher because a lot of us have some remembrance of global focus. It's hard to remember that's been 10 years we've been doing this. Uh, and we're celebrating that this year with 10 years of being a global focused church. But John will be with us. And so please be here for a prompt start. Uh, tonight. I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles today to Acts chapter 1, and I'm just going to ask you to hold your place there, because before we get to Acts chapter 1, we're actually going to jump through all four of the Gospels. That feels like a lot, but it is. But we're going to, to look at some key words that come from the great commissioning statements in all four of the Gospels, because all four of the Gospels have something for us along the lines of being a great commissioned church sent out by God the Father to do his will to see people's lives changed. As we think about each of the gospels, they all express the ultimate purpose for us. And so we'll just kind of go over them in order today. And you probably are familiar mostly with the first one, Matthew chapter 28. We, we talk about Matthew 28 a lot here, verses 18 through 20, and these will be on the screen. But the Bible says, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And, and that word, you've heard many people talk about this, I'm sure, but, but the word in the original language is like all peoples, all, all ethnic groups, all peoples, all languages, all tribes, tongues, nations. We're gonna get to that. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, a couple of things that we should note from this passage is that Jesus says something incredible. All authority is his. It's been granted to him because he is the overcomer, right? He has overcome death. And now he says, all authority is mine. And because he has authority, he can give authority. Have you ever worked in a job where you had all responsibility and no authority? It's terrible, isn't it? You have all the responsibility for this. You can't change any of it. Wait, whoa, whoa. why am I being held to this? I can't do anything. I can't modify it. No, you have the responsibility. Jesus isn't like that. He has all authority. And so he's saying to the disciples and by extension to us, all of this has been given to me. And so we are on a commissioned work with him. It's not our mission. It's his mission, and the great commission means that we are laborers with him to do this. 
and he can send us wherever we need to go. Secondly, the, there's a word here that is really a theme for that entire effort that we see. It's the word go. We're talking about that this year. We always ask you to give, engage, and go with our mission partners in this season. But this season in particular, we're refocusing on the word go because for the last couple of years, you've done great at giving, you've done great at engaging, but we haven't had the opportunity to go like we would want to because of travel restrictions and, and certain countries being closed to our efforts and things like that. Well, that's no longer the issue for most areas that we want to go. So there's no reason that we can't go. And so when Jesus says, go to the disciples, says, go to us, there is movement by, by extension to this, right? It, it, it's the idea that we're not sedentary in what we're doing. We're moving. The gospel is always moving. The gospel is always on the move because God is always looking for those who he may redeem. He's always looking. In fact, do you remember the, the scripture says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray that the Lord would send his workers in the harvest. We, we go. It's not just enough for us to say, I hope somebody crosses my path who I can share my faith with. That, that is great when that happens. But the idea of going and being sent. And finally, he says, as we go, we're to do something to make disciples. And that's different, isn't it, than making converts. We're not making converts, we're making disciples. To make a disciple is important for us because when you make a disciple, there's somebody who follows the master. Not us, follows the master. Go and make disciples and he says, teach them to observe all things of which I have commanded you. So if we were just to take some key words from this passage, we would say, go and make. Remember that. Say it with me. Would you say, go and make? Go and make. Let's look at Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 16, verse 14. Later, he appeared to the 11 themselves. They were reclining at the table. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who saw him after he had risen. Then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Again, here's the idea, we're going, we're preaching to all creation, all the world, right? He's saying there's no place. I, I love it that the Old Testament prophet says that, that one day we're going to see the glory of the Lord cover the, the earth like, like the seas. That, that, that's a, a great picture for us, going into all the world, going into all creation and preaching the gospel. So out of Mark's gospel, we could really say the key word is really preach. Say it with me, preach. Go and make, and now we're at preach, right? So some interesting things that he's coming up with. Luke also records one of the commission passages from Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. By the way, if God doesn't open your mind to understand the scripture, you can read it all you want. That's the Holy Spirit's work in our life. I mean, I mean you, ever, you ever just found yourself just looking at the scripture and trying to read it and trying going like, I don't understand any of this. What is going on? Certainly before you're a Christian, you try to read the scripture. Do you remember those days? And it's like, this doesn't make any sense. And then all of a sudden when you know Christ, the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate the scripture to us. So it says, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Do you hear it again? All nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses to these things. And look, I'm sending you to what my father promised. 
As for you, stay in the city until you're empowered from on high. So as Jesus opened their minds, he closed the gaps in their understanding. Remember, they would have had a lot of questions, wouldn't they? We thought you were the Messiah. We thought you were gonna do all this great stuff and you died. They beat you, they took you away. And, and, and now we see you risen from the dead. What, what's about to happen? And, and maybe they thought, now he's really gonna usher in the kingdom. We're really going to see it. We're gonna throw off the Roman occupation. We're gonna get this done. Jesus is opening their minds and closing the gaps in their understanding to explain what salvation looks like and that his name was going to be for all the nations to hear. Now it takes them a little while for them to get this, right? Because they're still thinking primarily through which lens? Their own lens, their cultural lens. Same thing you do, same thing I do. We, we primarily start with what we understand, don't we? we? We start as translating the culture in which we live in. So we think about ourselves as living in Nashville, Tennessee, we think about ourselves living in the United States of America, but, but there's a, a, a broader context for us. All the nations again, and the disciples were going to proclaim what this gospel meant. And notice that he calls them witnesses to this. We're gonna see that word again. So the key word here is sent. I'm sending you, say sent. So we're going and making, right? We're preaching, we're sent. Then we get to this one in John. John's having a, a recording, a, 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 a conversation between Jesus and Peter here. In John chapter 21, he says, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he said to them. A second time he asked him, Simon, do you, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? But Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate what, by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. And after saying this, he told him, follow me. Do you remember we preached on this sermon uh, not so terribly long ago and we talked about the interplay that's taking place between Jesus asking Simon, do you love me? Jesus is using this, this big word, do you love me, agape? And Simon's like, like going, come on, Lord, what, what's going on? You know that I love you. And he uses a different word. Agape means unconditional love. Jesus is asking him that and Simon can't even answer it, right? And he's saying, you know that I love you with this brotherly love. And you notice Jesus asked him three times and the symbolism can't be lost on us, right? There's symmetry here. Three times Peter denied him after saying, I'll go to the death with you. Jesus asking these things, and Simon, cut to the core, hears Jesus say, I'm restoring you, and you still have purpose. You're going to feed the sheep. You're going to take care of the flock. And he says, you're going to have to do it in obedience. And so the key words from this passage, do you love me? So it's love and follow. Say love and follow. So go and make, preach, send, love and follow. 
When you think about that and, and you understand that, it, it kind of gives us a little bit of context into the mission that God is sending us on. God is sending us out into the world because we were never designed to be a holy huddle. God is asking us as we go to make disciples. He's asking us to preach the good news of the gospel. He, he's asking us to be sent on purpose with a mission. The idea of being sent it is the idea that we have orders to go and then we're to love and follow the Lord in obedience in these things. Now, we spend a lot of time talking about certain things at this church. For instance, about 15% of the preaching time that you'll experience this year has to do with Christmas and Easter. Why do we do that? Well, because the gospel's embedded in that, isn't it? I mean, th th it's so important for us to understand that Jesus came, but that Jesus died and he rose again. So we spend a lot of time doing that. We spend a couple of weeks every year talking about the obedience of giving our tithes and offerings. Why do we do that? Because Jesus talked about it a lot. So, so why, why would we do that? It's because Jesus does that. The rest of the time, we're, we're focused on, on what God gives us from the scripture. We go through, as we've been doing, through Ephesians, through Jonah, all those things. We go through it verse by verse, kind of, kind of getting you through what God has said to us. Remember what we talked about over the last two weeks as we talked about how do we get the Bible? Why do we just study the Bible? But we take a month every year and we spend it to focus it on the mission. I remember that when we started Global Focus almost a decade ago now, I had a friend that said he thought it was just rough that we spent a full month talking about missions every year. Why, why would, pastor, why would we do that? I mean, maybe we, should, maybe we should find something that's a little more applicable to all of our lives. Well, I don't know, four gospels, four missions, commissionings, right? I mean, I, I, and I knew what he was saying. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's a, it feels like sometimes an inordinate amount of time to do that. But, but can I tell you why I think that it's important for us to do it? You know, Jesus didn't tell us to do many of the things that we do around here. Did you know that? This means yes? Come on, come on, what, work with me this morning. This means yes? This means I, you could do this. And it just means I have no clue what you're talking about. Fair answer. Je Jesus didn't tell us to do a lot of things that we do. For instance, I mean, can I just step on some of our toes? Did you know Jesus never said have a senior adult ministry? Sorry. Here's another one. Did you know that Jesus never said have a volleyball league? Come on. Did, did you know that, that Jesus never said have a Christmas concert? Now, here's an important thing. Why do we do all of that? We do all of that because there's a method behind the madness, isn't there? Why do we have a senior adult ministry? It's because we want to reach senior adults with the gospel. Why do we play volleyball? We're inviting people to come and join with us so that we can share the gospel with them. Why, why would we have a Christmas concert? It's so that we can do something incredible with the gifts that God has given us so that we can proclaim his glory until he comes and we're proclaiming his death and resurrection and, and we're doing all of that so that people can see that there, there's a method behind the madness. But there's something that we can be very certain of that Jesus told us to do. He said, go and make. He said, preach. He said, be live as a sent per to live as a sent person and to love and, and obey 
I mean, there's some real important things there for us. And so what Global Focus allows us to do is actually set our mind on the one thing that Christ said the church needed to do. In fact, the last words that he has for the church that we're going to read in a minute, surround the mission. So I think the, the name Global Focus is important for us. This is the one month out of the year that we ask you to stop and focus and reorient yourself to this because we have an obligation to proclaim the good news. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe you are more spiritual than I, and that is perfectly okay. In fact, I hope that you are. I need this. I don't know if you need it. I need it. I don't know if you find that that you need it because your heart gets dull to this throughout the year with the cares of this world and all the things that you have going on in your life, but if I'm being honest about myself and my family and and where we're living, I'm focused on a lot of things, but it's not always the mission. I'm distracted by things. I mean, I got in my car the other day and my check engine light came on. Are you ever distracted by that? Right? When I lived in the country, we just took electrical tape and put that thing over that so you didn't have to see it anymore. But that's just kicking the can down the road, right? I mean, you can't do that. There's something about this that life kind of creeps in and it starts to say, give me your attention, give me your attention. I need you to see this. I need you to look over here. I need you to be focused over here. And yet what global focus allows us to do is to get back to the center of who we are and get on point and find our true north following the mission that God has given us. So we need this focus because... Maybe the question we should ask is, are we being obedient? Now, I want to be really clear about this. This is not optional. Go into all the world is not for somebody else or the professional missionaries. It's for us. It's our calling, our task. And I think that what happens is every generation of believers runs up against this, this natural inclination to turn inward, focus on ourselves, get ourselves happy, get ourselves comfortable, and forget that God might be calling, and when I say this, don't die on me, you. No, he can't be calling me. I'm to this, I'm to that. You don't know my past, you don't know my present. You don't know how old I am, you don't know how young I am, it doesn't matter, God might be calling you right now. He's calling us in this moment. I don't know if you've said any of these things lately, but this might be indicative of how easily it is for us to turn inward. Just some questions that popped in my mind this week. Do we have donuts today? That's a great question, isn't it? Might mean that we're focusing inward. I wish the coffee was a little bit this. I went to church my whole life and nobody drank coffee. I don't know when that became like the national thing that we do at church, you know? I don't know, but we have to have coffee now. I'm glad you have it. It's good. Why do I have to bring a blanket to church? It's too cold or it's too hot or it's too, I mean, whatever, right? Do you ever feel that way? Do you you ever find yourself saying like, "Why, why can't they just fix the air conditioning like I want? I mean, does that not just show how frail all of our humanity is? It just, it just creeps right to the surface and things that really aren't important become very important and we lose sight of the mission. We all do it. I do it. I'm always telling David or anybody that'll listen, I'm too hot up here. They're burning me out with these lights. Can we please make it cooler? 
Can we do something? Can, can we get some shades in the window, please? I'm tired of being blinded at Time Change Sunday every week. Right? I mean, th- those kind of things, does that really matter? No. So we need this focus in our lives. So how do we do it? All right, that's the strategy. Let's look at Acts 1.8. There's many ways that we could have done this, but ultimately we as a church have chosen this. Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now as a church... We identify our mission statement, and here's how we contextualize that. We say we're a church family guiding people to take their next step in following Jesus. That's, that's how we've done that. So you take all those commissioning passages, and I hope you, you see that in those words that we've given you. A church family guiding people to take their next step in following Jesus. We want that first step to be coming to Christ, right? We want that next step for you to be obedient in baptism. We want the next step for you to be in a life group and connecting in the word of God and and worshiping the Lord. We're, We're trying to help you wherever you're at take your next step in being obedient. But the strategy behind this, we could have come up with it a million different ways and I'm sure there are a lot of great ways to do this, but we have an Acts 1 8 strategy here. A couple of things that you should know about this passage. This is Jesus right before he leaves to go sit at the right hand of the Father, right? He's done. The work is done. But the work on earth for us is beginning, and as he says these things, they're important. He tells us the engine for the mission is not us. This is very important. The engine for the mission is not us. It's not our creativity. It's not what we bring to the table. What's the engine for the mission? It's the Holy Spirit. The engine for the mission is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we studied the book of Ephesians, what did we learn about the filling of the Holy Spirit, right? We're we're asking the Holy Spirit to fill us day after day, moment by moment, to be filled by the Holy Spirit so that we're crucifying the works of the flesh and we're being sanctified by the filling of the Spirit. And, And remember what Paul talks about, don't quench the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit in our lives our bodies is the holy temple of the of, uh, temple of the Holy Spirit, rather. When we have the Spirit's filling, that's the engine that drives this. And Jesus said the power wasn't coming until the Holy Spirit came upon them. So that's important for us to see that. Because we might come up with an incredible missions plan. We might bring the best creativity that we have as a church to it. We might really think we're smart. We might really be impressed with ourselves. But if we're devoid of the power of the Spirit, we have no engine that will go. It will not drive. It won't work. It's it's like a car without an engine. You're you're doing Fred Flintstone stuff, you know? It doesn't work. So I say that to say, for us as a church, this ought to begin a time of renewal for us. These four weeks ought to be imperative for us to really seek God's face And ask God to cleanse us of sin and unrighteousness and and to drive out those cobwebs in our lives. I I love that song. I I quote it to you all the time. I mean, I've been listening to it my whole life, it feels like. Rushing wind blow through this temple, blowing out the dust within. It's this idea of renewal inside of us that the Holy Spirit would so fill us and that we would have the power of the Holy Spirit to then go and do what we need to do. I believe the Holy Spirit has actually already been driving us along. And I just share this with you. 
A couple of our newest partnerships that God has given us really came out of the blue. Uh, I mean, they, they, they weren't uh, things that we saw coming. And as we've been praying for opportunities to go, this week we just had some of our, our newest champions travel to one of our newest partnerships so that they could get eyes on what's happening there so when we have this Global Impact Celebration, they'll be able to tell you with their own eyes, we've seen this, you need to come and be part of this. We've been asked to join a church planting movement and sit at the table with them while they strategize to have a church on every, in every country on every continent before the year 2030. Praise God. Big dreams, big, big, big things that God's asking us to be a part of, but it doesn't happen without the Holy Spirit driving us along, and I believe that he's doing that, so we need his filling to receive his guidance. Then the next thing that Jesus told the disciples was, they, they had four areas that they were working out of. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Well, we have four teams that we work out of. Local, that's Jerusalem. Judea is, is like regional. Daniel, wait, wave your hand, Daniel. Daniel's in here as our, as our regional team leader. As we go into kind of a, a half day's drive outside of the city, then we have a national team leader is Joe Roberts. Joe's in the back back here. Wave your hand, Joe, so everybody can see you. And then we, we, we have an ends of the earth team as well that takes it there. Now, now, why did Jesus say this? And I think this is very important for us to see. As we're organized in the same way, this is one of the key principles that we see in Global Focus. We start right here at home. It, it, it's not good enough, folks, for us to do the mission far away and come back and be comfortable here. It's not good enough for us to go, well, I go on mission once a year. No, we're to live sent on mission as we obey the Lord, as we follow the Lord. And that starts right here in Nashville, Tennessee. Do you believe that God loves Nashville? Do you believe that God loves the state of Tennessee? Of course he does. Do you believe that God loves our country? Of course he does. Do you believe that God loves all the people of the world? Of course he does. But it starts right here for us. God planted us in 1911 in this geographic location. Think about that for a second. We were planted just a few miles down the road. And God in his providence saw that we would move out here. And we have been here ever since. I mean, think about that for a second. 111 years, God wants us to be transformative in this area. Your life should be transforming the culture around you. It should be making a difference. Well, how are we doing that? Well, for instance, we're working at a local elementary school. Some of you have done this. You've gone over there and been part of Beach Club on Thursday afternoons. We have a, a Bible club in that elementary school. We've had families from that elementary school come and do some of those things that Jesus didn't tell us to do, like upward soccer, right? So that we could share the gospel. And when they're, when they're on the soccer field every week, you know what they're hearing? The gospel. They've come and they've played basketball. And you know what they hear every, every week in their practice? The gospel. And you know what the parents hear at halftime? The gospel. We have to be concerned with our local area. It's a key principle for that. And one of the things that we learned early on in Global Focus was the light that was going to shine the farthest away would shine the brightest at home. That's how it is. It's got to be that way. I thought about that this week as I thought about how we had so many students. It was just a privilege 
to show up at our ESL ministry this week and see our gathering room full of students. If you worked in ESL this week, would you raise your hand so that, so that I can see you? A bunch of folks, Wanda's leading that. Raise them high now. Come on, more of you are in here. Don't be bashful. That's good. All the cameras are facing me. They're not facing you. You're, you're undercover right now, okay? But, but this is important. ESL all the way to Latin America this year. How about that? ESL in Nashville all the way to us going and ministering with Petra, with Petra Ministries out of Montana that's planting churches in Latin America. I mean, think about what's happening there. That's lives being changed here. And so the Lord said to them, you're going to receive this power and you go. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. But he said an interesting word here that Luke also, because you know Luke wrote Acts, Luke Acts, in Luke's gospel, use the word witnesses. What do witnesses do? They tell about what they have seen and what they have heard. Well, we have a, a great witness to give to the Lord Jesus Christ about what we have seen and what we have heard. We have seen lives transformed. We have heard the good news of the gospel has transformed our lives. And so for us to go into all the world means as witnesses, we're just telling what God has done, what we have seen, what we have heard, proclaimed through the gospel message. And this has far reaching impact for us. Now, let me try to give you some tangible things now that are about to happen so that you begin to understand this, okay? I want you to understand some some important things. What is Global Focus? I've said it before. It's the ministry that came alongside of us and helped us. And everything we do under the mission umbrella here is Global Focus, working out through an Acts 1-8 strategy. We never changed the name because we thought it fit perfectly. We wanted to be focused globally. We, we, want, we want you to understand that as a citizen of heaven, we have a responsibility to be focused globally. Now, the next term that we use often is this idea of Global Impact Celebration, or G-I-C. The Global Impact Celebration happens every year in September. It happens the third week in September on that Sunday, but it starts on that weekend. The Global Impact Celebration is a weekend-long event where our mission partners come back to us, we engage with them, we hear about what God is doing, we're encouraged by that, we get to know them, our hearts are melded together with theirs. We, we, we get excited about going in partnership with trips with them and serving on the field, wherever that may be. And it's an incredible thing to hear what God is doing in the space that he has provided them to operate in the mission. Also gives you a chance, not only to support them financially, but to find a trip and go. And I wanna say that again and again and again. I know that for some of us, there would be a million reasons why we can't go to the ends of the earth, but nothing's stopping you from going in Nashville. I always think about this. Um, one of our longest running partnerships is the Lighthouse Christian Camp that provides camp for, for kids that cannot afford to go. And all they are is taught the Bible and the gospel all week. Many of you have been there. But, uh, you know, I've never met a camp that would allow a 95, 96-year-old guy to come be a camp counselor. We have them going from our church. 95 years old was a camp counselor. There's not a lot of excuse left, can we be honest? You think you've had a bad week? Go sit in a cabin with a bunch of kids for a week. You know what I'm saying? 
You'll know how hard it is, right? I mean, think about it. There's not a lot of excuse for us. You know, I don't like to travel. I get nervous. I get jumpy. It's not really an excuse, is it? I don't know that when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to ask us, so you were you engaged in the mission? Well, you know, I wanted to be. I was pretty busy, though. I was building a company. Oh, did you ever build my kingdom? I, I was busy raising my family. Oh, that's good. Did you raise anybody in a spiritual family? Did you make disciples? Did, I mean, yeah, all of us have to answer for this, right? Every one of us. I mean, this is weighing heavy on my heart this week as I've just thought about how easy it is for me to be distracted. It's weighing heavy on my heart. So in this GIC, we're asking you to be here third week of September. Now, this is also one of those really uh, great seasons where I'm going to ask you to give. As a, as a church family, we, we talk about this often. Uh, we, we talk about giving offerings in, in the spring of the year. And in this season, we talk about giving to Global Focus Missions. And 100% of what you give goes to Global Focus Missions in this. I want to just remind you of something. And this didn't really dawn on me until this year. We have surpassed the $4 million mark in giving to Global Focus Missions since you guys started this program at this church. That's a staggering number, isn't it? That, that's not building buildings. At the same time, you've been paying off debt, praise the Lord. You've also been faithful to give. You've been faithful to give to people so that they could stay on the field. You've been faithful so that they could have the things that they needed, and we're going to ask you to give. Now, this is the fun way, and the first way, there's three ways. This is the fun way, and I'm just going to tell you, if you come to training tonight, you're going to get to see ways you can give personally to our partner, and you're going to get there before anybody else does, and that's your reward. And you say, well, wait, if I come to training, shouldn't you give me something? I am. I'm giving you the opportunity to give to one of our partners, and if you've ever done it, you know that this is incredible. So what we ask you to do is we have a night of giving for the partners and we've asked them, what are some of the needs that you have? You know, the, the, the normal stuff comes up, right? Man, we really need a new computer. We, 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 could you help us with this software that we need? We need a projector that we can play the Jesus film on. Can, can you help us with the, I mean, these things come up and those end up on what we call a big board. And a big board item might be something you take as a family by yourself. It might be something your life group takes together or maybe you and a couple of families take together. It's totally fine. But then we also ask our partners, hey, it's no fun just to get what you need all the time. Like I have a rule about that at Christmas. Please don't give me a bunch of stuff I need. I don't want a toothbrush, right? I go buy a toothbrush if I need it, right? I don't want socks. I can go buy socks. Give me something I don't need, but I just want. You know, like, like just give me something that, that, that surprises me, that, that still brings out the fun of that. So we asked them, do you remember a couple of years ago when that kid asked if he could have the horse head that he could put on his head? Do you remember that? And somebody said, well, pastor, I don't know how I feel about that. I said, I do. Did you see how happy that knucklehead was? You made his day. He wore that thing around everywhere he went. What's wrong with that? We're gonna give them things they need, they want. So if you come tonight... You get to look over the cards first. What's left over next Sunday? I don't know. But if you've ever been part of the night of giving, you know how good and special it is to meet a need, to bless somebody with a want that they have that's just gonna make their life that much easier when they're back on the field. So tonight, 
come and be part of that. The second way that we ask you to give is through our one-day offering. Now, our one-day offering is September the 18th, the day of our Global Impact Celebration. That night, we have our night of giving to our partners, but that day, we collect a one-day offering. And I'm not setting a goal for the one-day offering this year because we're doing something a little bit different. We're we're taking the one-day offering and we're using a bifocal approach. We've never done this. We're asking you to give to something here in the Jerusalem area, Nashville area, and we're asking you to give to something far away that's going to bless the kingdom. And, and we've just gotten so excited about this as God has been moving about this. And I, I'm, I'm excited to share this portion with you and there's gonna be some more that follows out in the next couple of weeks. But we're splitting that between the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home this year, which is about five miles down the road that way, and Faith Comes by Hearing. Faith Comes by Hearing is the ministry that takes translated copies of the Word of God and records it in a language because most of the world, they're oral people. They, they're not always literate people. So we put it in their language so that they can hear the gospel. This year, we're gonna ask you to do the translation of the Shami people of Colombia. This will be, I think, the eighth or ninth language that we have done with Faith Comes By Hearing, where you fully funded and supported this, a dramatized version. If you don't have the Faith Comes By Hearing app, it's free, bible.is on your phone. It's a red icon badge, has all the languages, all the Jesus movies that have been translated for that. It's all there for free. You can give it away to people. You can share it with people. They have the deaf Bible on there. It's free. We want you to have that. It's a great resource in the city in which we live. You hear somebody speaking a different language. Hey, what country are you from? Oh, I'm, I'm from Colombia. I looked in Colombia the other day and you would think it'd be like Spanish and a few other languages. I mean, it was like four scrolls of pages on there because of so many people who, who don't speak Spanish uh, as their heart language. They understand it, but, but this is all peoples, all nations. Remember that the disciples didn't have geographic lines broken up. They're thinking about people groups, all people. We get to do that. Now, why do you say, pastor, are we doing this thing with the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home? We are living in a world that for the first time in my life, I want you to think about this, for the first time in my life in the state of Tennessee is a post-Roe v. Wade world. That's an amazing thing for me to say out loud. It's an amazing thing because I was born in 77, right? And, And so I'm thinking 73 is when this happens. I've never lived in a world like that. The Tennessee Baptist Children's Home does fostering, they do adoption, they, they do respite care for families. If, if a family has to send a mom or a dad maybe to, to rehab, that, that child can come and live in a great place. And we've had members of our church, if you remember the Dyer family, uh, there's a home named after them because they lived and worked there as house parents for the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home. And I believe as a church that we're going to say to the world, you cannot say about us that we only care about conception and not life. That's just not ever true, never has been true. But I want us to say as a church, we care about life. We care about it in some very tangible ways. And I'm gonna unfold a few more of those in the coming weeks that that God has just miraculously brought to us that we're gonna be able to do. But in this way, in supporting the Tennessee Baptist Children Home, we're gonna divide this offering equally. Now you say, how much do we need? whatever the Lord provides. It's gonna roughly take about $35,000 to do a language. That's roughly what it takes to get that done, get it recorded, get the proclaimers into the field, the leaders trained. 
But I want you to think about something with me for a moment. I don't want you to think about hitting a goal. I want you to think about what you're going to do about that Sunday. I'm going to be extremely disappointed if we don't have 100% participation on that Sunday. Now, here's the thing. You say, man, times are pretty tight. I got you. You can put a dollar in. If you don't have a dollar, come see me. I'll give you one to put in. We can put something in. It's about our heart. It's not about the number. It's about our hearts being aligned with God's purposes on these things. You see, you see how this works? It's, it's not about, can we celebrate some big number? I believe God has our heart. The number takes care of itself. The scripture says that each man purpose in his heart what he'll give to the offering. The tithe is God's. Don't mess with that. We'll talk about that later. But the offering, it, it's about our participation in this. We shouldn't sit back and clap that we got a big number. We ought to be humbled that we're obedient. God, thank you that you've given us grace to do this. On that Sunday, September the 19th, all of our partners will be here, but Greg McCoy of the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home will be here talking about the opportunities that God is giving them. Now, you know, many years ago, they had to make a stand. The state of Tennessee said, we'll place no more children with you if you guys keep requiring church attendance. And he said, because church attendance is bad for people? I mean, look at our kids and look at your kids. Nope, that's the way it is. And he said, well, we don't need you to place kids with us. God's gonna bring every kid that we need. And God has been faithful to do that over and over and over again. Praise the Lord for that. And so then we ask you to give a final way. And it's our faith promise offering. All through the year, we ask you to give to support these missionaries. We ask you to give so that it can make a difference in their life. I was just talking to some of our missionaries via email and some letters over the last couple of weeks. They've been in language school because God sent them to a place where it is illegal to proselytize, illegal to, to build a church, but God has placed them there and they're working as translators on the Holy Scriptures so that people can have the word of God. That's who you've been supporting over the last three years. Praise the Lord. I want your heart to get excited. I hope that you'll make every effort to be back here tonight at 4 p.m. to be with John. I hope that you'll align your life to the mission that God has given us. And if maybe just right now, even you would say like, man, I'm distracted. I got a lot going on. Uh, I don't feel good today. My mind's somewhere else. That's okay. Would you just go before the Lord as we close this service and ask God to do something great in the next month? Ask the Lord to fill us. Let the rushing wind of the Holy Spirit come in and, and blow out the cobwebs and blow out the dust and get us excited again for what God is going to do. It's the most wonderful time of the year, folks. If you stick with me, on September the 18th, you'll experience joy, unspeakable joy like you haven't experienced maybe in a year. It's special. You have to see it with your own eyes. You have to experience it. You have to hear the sounds of it. You have to sense it. God's going to do something great. We have a mission. Let's go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in so that his house may be full. Would you bow with me in prayer? I wonder this morning if there's a word that has maybe 
stuck out to you. Go, make, preach, be sent, love and obey. It's one of those grabbed your heart this morning that, that God is speaking to you about and he wants to align your heart's purpose with his mission. I'm just asking right now that God would move in our lives. Would you ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit and let the engine of the Holy Spirit drive this church over the next month? We don't want that always, obviously, but this next month is crucial. Father, we can only be honest before you today and if I'm being honest, Father, I'm, I'm distracted. I'm struggling with some of these things. Maybe others are as well. Our prayer today is that you would line our hearts with your purposes. Send us, Lord. Call out the called. Father, maybe you're calling some of us to a second career in missions or church planting or just supporting God, be with our partners today. Not just to protect them, Lord, but would you empower them that they would be effective in the kingdom. God, maybe some of us might be bold enough even this morning to say, here am I, send me. Lord, we have so much that we have seen and so much that we've heard, so much that we've experienced. Lord, we want to tell the world about it. And our prayer is that this month, you would help us to focus in strong on that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.